name of Jesus, amen. Dear saints of God, our dear Lord Jesus speaks to us this morning the words recorded in the Gospel text from the Sermon on the Mount because He loves us. Because because He loves you. And because He knows the dangers that we face in this corrupt world and in this sinful flesh. Jesus knows, better than you and I will ever know, Jesus knows the hatred of the devil that is directed towards you. And so he speaks and says, No one can serve two masters. For he will either hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. This, for us, is a word of warning, a word of law. For the Lord knows that our hearts are tempted to other gods, that they are tempted to chase after other things, to desire and to love and to worship and to fear and to trust those things which are not God. And he's warning us about this sin, about this idolatry, because whatever it is that we fear or trust or love more than God is an idol, is a false god that cannot save. And that, dear friends, is the point that Jesus is impressing upon us. There is only one God who can save us. One God who loves us and dies for us so that He can give us His righteousness and His eternal life. Only the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit bring to us life. And each and every other false God in all of the world, all of them, bring us to death. And Jesus does not want this. He wants you in life. So our Lord preaches a sermon to us about idolatry. And as this sermon unfolds, Jesus is going to get very specific. For there is one idol in particular that's always creeping around, lurking in the shadows, ready ready to slither into our hearts. There is one idol that is abundant and is found in every corner of the world in all times. Luther says that there is one idol that is the most common idol in all of the world. And do you know what it is? Money. Mammon. Jesus says it here. You cannot serve God and money. Now, Jesus is clear here. Money and wealth and physical possessions can be spiritually dangerous. It can take the place of God in our hearts. We can become its servants. And if that happens, if we become servants of money, then we are not the servants of God. It doesn't have to be this way. There is a good use for money, but there is a danger. You'll often hear people say, money is the root of all evil, as if the Scriptures taught that. But it's not what the Scriptures say. Close but not what the Scriptures say. St. Paul says this, for the love of money 
is the root of all kinds of evil. Or, or listen to these words from Hebrews chapter 13. Keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have. For the Lord has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you, so that we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper, I will not fear, what can man do to me? Money becomes, becomes a danger when it's loved or when it's served. Jesus says it. No one can serve two masters. Either he'll hate the one and love the other, or he'll be devoted to the one, he'll serve the one and despise the other. It's the love of money that's the dangerous thing. And how do you know if you love money? How do you know that you are serving money instead of God? The Lord gives us an indicator. And it's this, anxiety about the things of this life, worry about temporal things. Jesus says as much, this is verse 25, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. And this, dear saints, is quite stunning. For just like the speedometer in the car tells you how fast you're going, if you're going a little bit over the speed limit, or I guess a lot over the speed limit, or whatever, or the, ga the, the gas meter tells you if your tank is full or if you're empty, so your anxiety, your worry about the things of this life tells you, it's your indicator, if you are serving money rather than God, if you are worrying about the things of this world more than the things of this world to come. So Jesus invites us to look at our gauge, to ask the question, are you anxious? Do you worry? I suspect the answer for all of us, for, in one way or in another, is yes. Will we have enough to pay the bills? Will we be able to find a job and get work? Will we be able to, uh, to, to get better, or will we stay sick? We worry about these things. And Jesus says that if we do, then we are serving not God, but mammon, money. Indeed, this is cause for repentance. In fact, I almost... Expect for the Lord to say, do not worry about what you will eat or your drink or your body, what you will put on, and then to come with a, with a booming repent after this thing. But he doesn't. In fact, as our Lord Jesus shows us how to see if we're serving, if we're serving money and the things of this world rather than serving him, he deals with us very gently he handles our idolatry with, with soft hands. He gives us in the text four questions. And, and each of these questions is an argument against this idolatry, an argument against this service for money, an argument against worry, an argument for faith in the Heavenly Father and childlike trust in God. He gives us these four questions to, to root out this worry from our hearts. Now, each of these four questions, there could be a sermon on, but I looked in the bulletin and there was space only for one sermon. So I think what we'll have to do is, is point out the questions to you. You might even want to 
make a note in your bulletin about where these questions are, and, and you can think about them today and this week and ponder them for your own life. Jesus offers four questions about our own worry. The first question is right there in verse 25. And it's the look at the big picture question or the keep things in perspective question. Our Lord says, Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Indeed, it is. But the love and service of money tempts us to lose perspective, to forget what's important, to think that the things of this life filling our belly and covering our body are the ends. They're not. The second question that our Lord asks is in verse 26. This is, in fact, the consider the birds question. Jesus says, look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? When we start to think that it's foolish to trust the Lord to provide for us, then he gives us an example of the very opposite, the birds. There are no farmer birds. (laughs) There are no baker birds. They don't sow or reap, and yet the Father cares for them. And notice how Jesus says it. He doesn't say their Father cares for them, but he says your Father cares for them. It's your Father who's caring for the birds. Aren't you of more value than they? Answer, yes. The third question is, so you, the, so you want to live longer question. Verse 27, Jesus asks us, and which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? The answer, none of us. Worry and anxiety does no good at all. It doesn't produce anything positive. In fact, it's all negative. Then the fourth question, the consider the lilies question. This is verse 28 through 30. Jesus says, And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass in the field, which today is alive, and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Here's the second example of not worrying about the things of of this life. If the birds do not farm, the lilies don't have sewing machines. (laughs) If, If the lilies and the grass in the field, which the cows eat, and we cut with a machine and throw away, if the Lord so clothes them and ordains them and gives them beauty and splendor, how will He not also take care of you? Indeed, He will. All of these four questions are Jesus' way of gently rooting out the worry that wants to to dig into our own souls, into our own hearts. And after all these questions, Jesus begins to undo all questioning by contrasting the faithless questions of the Gentiles with a simple faith in the Father's love. He says, verse 31, Therefore do not be anxious 
saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek these things. Your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. Your heavenly Father knows. He knows that you need food and drink in clothing. He, in fact, made your body and gave you your life. He knows much better than you do the things that you need to keep it going. And this, dear saints, is the antidote that Jesus gives to worry. For our Lord does not just say, stop worrying. He says, trust God. It's faith in God the Father. It's trust in Him. It's the knowledge that He loves us and He cares for us and He treats us as His dear little children. It's this knowledge, this faith, and this trust that casts out worry. And more. For while the Gentiles are busy seeking after food and clothes, while the Gentiles, the unbelievers, are busy living for their bellies and serving their appetites, you, dear Christians, are seeking after something else, something better, something eternal. Seek first, says Jesus, the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And all of these other things will be added to you. That righteousness that Jesus would give you to seek is the very righteousness of God himself, which comes to us through the death of Jesus on the cross. For it's on the cross that our dear Lord Jesus took our sin and took our death and and took the punishment for all of these things so that he could win for us forgiveness and righteousness and life eternal. To seek the righteousness of God is simply to trust Jesus, that his death was for us, that his death was for you. And it is to know that his blood covers all of your sin and all of your uncleanness and all of your unrighteousness. And when we know this, there is nothing in all of the world to worry about. Your Jesus has taken all of your sin all of your uncleanness, all of your death, all of your sorrow, all of it, and he has given in its place his love and his life and his salvation. You are his. He loves you. He loves you enough to die for you. Enough to suffer for you. Enough to be devoured by the devil for you. Enough to leave everything behind. Even the love of the Father for you to have you. And if Jesus and the Father and the Holy Spirit love you that much, they will let nothing stand in the way of having you as their dear friend, as their dear child. And if they can do that, if they let nothing stand between you and them, how will the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit also not give you everything else that you need? This is what St. Paul says, reflecting the sermon from our Lord Jesus. Listen to these words. Uh, These worry-destroying words, Paul writes, what shall we say to these things? If God's for us, if God is for you, who can be against you? 
He who didn't spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also together with him graciously give us all things? Indeed, he will. Indeed, he does. Amen. And now may the peace of God, which passes all understanding, guard your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.